the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone and give me a call. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. One thing that I get asked on often is love, marriage, and debt. We'll see if we can hit those in somehow, some way, shape, and form in this segment. What happens to your debt when you die? The average American right now is dying with $62,000 of debt. Whoops, thought I had another month to send in a check. You're probably going to die with some debt to your name, and that's okay. Uh, one of the very first girlfriends that I ever had that was awesome, her dad pulled me aside and he's like, let me tell you a secret. I'm going to die with debt, and I'm okay with it. 73% of consumers have outstanding debt when they're reported as dead. Now, keep in mind, I recommend you don't report anyone as dead, that you just bury them in the backyard and keep giving their Social Security checks. But that's me, and that's probably not you. Consumers carry an average total balance of $61,554. Without home loans, the average balance is about 12875 So a lot of it is home loans, right? Does that sound about right? $12,000 of credit card debt and other debt, car debt? Doesn't sound crazy to me. So, the average unpaid balance, credit card's about 4500 Auto loan's about 17000 It's interesting, right? Personal loan's about 14000 Student loan's about 25000 That's one that kicks me in the butt. How are people dying with student loans? Right? Are you with me? Does that, like, ting? Did a little notification bell just go off in your head? So debt belongs to a deceased person, for sure, or that person's estate. If someone has enough assets to cover their debts, the creditors get paid and beneficiaries receive whatever remains. So if your mom's already died and your dad dies and he's got $62,000 of debt, they take a look at his estate and figure out how much can they get. 
But if there's not enough assets to satisfy debts, creditors lose out. Um, family members do not become responsible for debt, as some people worry they may. So debt's a big issue when you're talking about retirement issues, and it should always be noted and it should always be honored that you have income, you've got uh, hopefully investments, and you create some assets. Keep in mind, I think that one of your greatest assets in life is your ability to earn income. And you have that from age 20 to 60, and sometimes you'll see friends here or there, and you'll go, whoa, they're getting late in life not to have any money, or you'll hear them talk about their divorce and what's going on or what's not going on financially successfully in their life. And uh, people always have opinions, right? 800-516-1220 if you want to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm always surprised at how many people are willing to live day by day. And then you call them on it, and what they'll instantly say is, but I don't want to leave where I'm living. That's a big question. Would you do that? That's a big question. Um, I can't say that you would, per se. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, That's one of the things I find that hold people back is that they get stuck in the same exact place. I like the term frugality because I think it's a very subjective term. You can look around your life and you can see things and you can go, uh, I want a BMW. I want an Audi. And, you know, I do too. But I hold back because I look at myself in the accumulate wealth mode. The average Joe, it can mean, frugality can mean something like eating meals at home or scouring the internet for cheap flights when it does come time for vacation. But to a billionaire, it means showing up to work in a t-shirt and jeans, driving a Toyota or a Volkswagen. In some instances, it means, you know, foregoing, you know, purchase of a private jet or a lavish vacation. What does frugality mean to you? What does it mean to your kids? Warren Buffett, chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway, still lives in the same home that he bought in 1958 for $31,500. He's worth $74 billion. Uh, he's got a pretty lowbrow palate. He likes to eat at Burger King, Dairy Queen, and he likes uh, sucking down Coca-Colas. So how long will he live on that diet? I don't know. Um, but he says he's happy, and frugality's fine. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, founder and CEO of Volkswagen, drives a manual transmission Volkswagen hatchback. He leads a pretty low-key lifestyle, uh, including his t-shirt, his hoodie, and his jeans. Uh, he chowed down at McDonald's shortly after marrying his wife in 2012 in the backyard of their $7 million Palo Alto home. So, pretty modest sum for a guy who's worth you know more than $70 billion plus dollars. In 2014, though, he did trade in that uh, his $30,000 Acura for a... Uh, for that hatchback. So, so Carlos Slim Hulu, he's the founder of Grupo Carso. Um, he's Mexican's richest man. Uh, he's tied to a lot of industries, which is kind of fascinating. Um, here's how you get wealthy. Sometimes you keep your wealth. He does the home-cooked meals with his children and grandchildren. He's got a couple of known indulgences like fine art. He has an ex-wife. Um who liked fine art, so he said, I'm going to continue to do that for her, in her memory. But, you know, Cuban cigars, that's kind of uh, the lavishness that you see. Now, I bet a lot of these people have more lavishness lavishness, 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 that we don't see, right? 
Um, for instance, if you were to take the CEO of IKEA, he still flies economy. I once heard uh, Bill Gates say, you know, what do you think, I'm the Queen of England? I'm not flying first class. You're like, that's pretty funny. Um, anyhow, and anyway, that's a guy worth $43 billion plus dollars. $43 billion plus dollars. So sometimes you get wealthy by keeping your wealth, especially early on. When I started a company 20 years ago, it was tough on my dating life and my love life. Uh, I found myself numerous times saying, you know, do I go into debt or do I cut back my cost of living or, uh, and I, I made sacrifices. So as to kind of do that splurge on occasion, but long story short, I was, uh, on a tighter budget than you imagine. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I like the word financial independence, but I hate when you hear like financial coaches say financial independence. So uh, I think financial independence is kind of a, a tricky thing. But it keeps going back to if you want to be wealthy, if you want to buy stocks, if you want to talk stock talk, I think you need to have some financial independence. And one of the things you need to do before you start going out and buying stocks is to accumulate $100,000 in investable assets. It sounds crazy, but I think you could do it with low-cost ETFs and indexes. And that's the best way to start. Get your budget under control. Don't get in too much debt. And get $100,000. And that's when you start getting a little bit of financial independence. You need to spend less than you earn and invest the difference. And once you get that $100,000 plus, that's when you can start playing with individual stocks. But you got to see like a, a market correction or two to know that they're normal and that they're healthy, and they kind of wring out some of the excesses. And in a current stock market that we're in, you haven't seen a big pullback over long periods of time. Um, they've happened in my lifetime, and I remember them, and I remember taking pay cuts, and I remember the problems associated with them. Anyhow, when we come back, we're going to talk more stock talk. We're going to talk more sectors, investing, and much, much more. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Stock Talk with Rob Black. Black. Yeah, no kidding. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Uh, money investing and more is what I like to throw out there as a concept idea. But when we're talking stocks, I kind of want to talk stocks. And that's one of the things we do when we do the show Stock Talk, Mondays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And I do replay parts of it here and there, um, in large part so that you can get kind of the exposure and know where it is and when it is. You can always subscribe to my podcast by going to robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Right now, the Stock Talk and the Rob Black and Your Money are one podcast. I will break them out at some point when it makes sense, but right now it is one podcast. 
everyone right now seems to have an opinion on the stock market. It's always that way. And I think it will always be that way. Consider the Russell 2000. The Russell 2000 is an index of small cap companies. And you should watch some indexes. You should watch the Russell 2000. You should watch the Wilshire 5000, the Dow Jones Industrial Average 30, the S&P 500. Um, you should get a feel for international markets, how they're doing. It doesn't mean that you put a lot of weight in it. It's just something to see. It's kind of like if you play baseball, you know. What's the weather look like out today? Or football, you know. Do I need my snow cleats or do I need my regular cleats? Um, what's the temperature? You should pay attention when you are in the investment world. If you take a look at the 200-day moving average on the Russell 2000, it broke through a trend line on the bottom. Now, 200 days, you just slowly kind of take a look at the price action in the stock. You throw that down on a graph, and then you take a look at, you spread that out over 200 days. And you could see that, you know, it's kind of went through a double bottom, kind of went through a bottom target that it hasn't broke through in negative downward trends. Um, so it broke through, which means, uh-oh, if this is our barometer, we could be in trouble. Typically, a downside move through an average tells us that the trend in the market may be falling. And that's not good for investors who are long. But in my opinion... You can't always look at technicals and charts and, and know that you're right. It's been right before, but it doesn't mean it's always right. So here's an alternative to that Russell 2000 breaking through the trend. Now, it could be statistically a simple tweak of the 200-day moving average itself. Maybe it's, let's go with the 205-day moving average. This gives us the long-term trend. Maybe you go with 210. You know, a regular simple average is just the sum of all closes for 200 days divided by 200. You know, there's other flavors. So there's other ways of looking at that trend. Uh, the most popular, especially when analyzing long spans of time and large price movements, is the exponentially smoothed or just exponential uh, moving average. So rather than giving each day equal weight, ultimately exponential averages give more importance to recent data that is logical, that could change the reason why it went up or down. For instance, um, Trump having a bad day might cause the market at, when it's just normally going through a healthy correction, it might cause the market to dip a little further. Russia instigating something in the Ukraine might cause the market to dip a little further, but that's not going to affect Russell 2000 stocks, small cap U.S. companies. So when you take a look at the Russell 2000, when it's smoothed out, it looks a lot better. Um, there was a small breakdown last week, but the index bounced right back above it. So we typically see some false breakdowns on technical averages. The background climate between the two time periods is not the same, but the point is ultimately that the index can move above or below the average by small amounts without creating a change in the trend. So just because it breaks resistance either on the upside or downside doesn't mean this is time to go all in. So I want to say that when you take a look at the markets right now, it is important to use a little bit of technical analysis. and. When you take a look at a company, any company, take a look at the last 10 years. And I used to use the 2000s as a great example. How did the stock do 
in the big 2000-2002 correction? Where was its low point? How did the stock do during 9-11? Where was its low point? How did the stock do in the 2008 banking crisis? Um, where was its low level? So when you start thinking like that, you might become a better, more successful investor. Um, you might not, but you might. So uh, you might start seeing like, okay, here's the worst case scenario, because those were three worst cases, right? The great job recession. How did the stock do then? So I don't want to dismiss the 200-day moving average. I don't want to diss it. You know, a good technician is a good technician. But I think the part that I think is incorrect is calling for a market decline based on a small dip slightly below it. I want to see how it did coming back. I want to see it in context of the overall market. You know, when the S&P 500 is less than 2% from its all-time high, having a market pullback, you know, 2 to 3% is not exactly a big pullback. Now, the Russell is small cap stocks and itself dipped 7% at one point in time, and it has to establish a new low and show that it doesn't want to go below it. Um, I think based on evidence and charts, you know, it's okay to be concerned over the decline, but I think it's sometimes a little premature when you start thinking that, you know, technicals are, the, you know, the new blood, the new, you know, crystal ball into what you should be doing. I don't think that's the case in any way, shape, or form. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. One stock that we've been talking about on Stock Talk a lot is the Amazon of China, Alibaba. One analyst upped his price target on it to 220 bucks, up from 177 That's 25% upside from where the stock closed recently. Um, he said, we think 30 times uh, valuation is warranted. Now, keep in time, typically a company sells at price to earnings of 15 to 20 So this is 30 the analyst says organic revenue for this segment is much higher, um, 54% in June. Margins remain very high, even while funding large investments. And Chinese consumption growth remains strong. The shift to online is gaining momentum. And Alibaba is the largest direct beneficiary, with a dominant market position and 60% plus margins while funding significant investments. They think the end markets are higher growth and showing acceleration. They think the traffic growth and personalization is driving meaningful monetization. Uh, the analyst thinks the ad load can be expanded at management's discretion. The analyst thinks the cloud is an earlier stage in China, and AliCloud's dominance may be less contested than Amazon Web Services. And they think the e-commerce adoption in Southeast Asia is accelerating and just beginning. Um, all pretty good thoughts, pretty good flags for why you like a stock. We've talked about Alibaba now for about 40 points on the show. Um, since the show is only about a month and a half old, that's pretty darn good. Um, so take a look at Alibaba, ticker symbol B-A-B-A. And if you want to look at the bigger trend of emerging market internets and e-commerce exchange rate fund, that ticker symbol is E-M-Q-Q. That's E-M-Q-Q. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial stock talk with Rob Black. It's back. It's biggity, biggie back. Take a break. We'll be right back.
black now. 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. There was a day last week when I looked at stocks, and one of the things I noticed was everything was in the red. Now, when that happens, you have to ask yourself why. Okay, maybe we've hit a top. Maybe we've hit a broad-based sell-off. Maybe we've hit a president who says something that the market doesn't like. It's happened before, and it'll happen again. So when it happens, you look at tech stocks and services, basic materials and healthcare and utilities and industrial goods and consumers, uh, whether it be financial stocks, and you try to figure out what's going on. And when one thing on that screen is green, you go, why is everything in the red losing money and one thing's in the green? This is the best part about talking stocks, stock talk, is that you try to become a stock investigator. And I've been doing Stock Talk now back for the second iteration. It first appeared on CNET Radio back in the early 2000s, late 90s. And it was a a wildly successful show because everyone was fascinated with tech stocks. And I'm not going to keep just tech stocks this time. I'm going to make it a little bit broader. But one of the things I did when I relaunched the show about a month ago was, or it doesn't even matter the time, right? was I highlighted six or seven stocks that I think are great names and should be acquired if it's appropriate for your portfolio and you do your own homework and you should always consult a broker advisor for taking action on your stocks mentioned. One of the names is Alibaba, and basically they are the Amazon of China. And again, I don't want you to go buy it, but ask yourself, why was it up on a day when everything else was down? And um, the company is costly. It's got a premium valuation. Um, maybe you look for it on down days, but they had a great quarter. So, and seeing that Alibaba is tied towards um, Aladdin and the magic lamp, you know, and uh, it's kind of funny that Aladdin <laughs> finds his magic lamp on a bad day of Alibaba. Is that a stock you should buy? I don't think so. I don't know you. So I think you need to consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned, of course, and always. Um, but, you know, there's basically two things on everyone's mind when there's a route on Wall Street. You know, why is everything down and what's that one doing up? So, and I do kind of want you to start paying attention to these things. When the market is telling us, you know, it's a buy on dip, it's a buy on dip, it's a buy on dip. And you can take a look at a chart of a, let's say, a six month, 12 month. And you can see every time there's a dip, maybe it's a 5% dip. Maybe if you were to draw a line and connect all the bottoms in kind of an up vertical fashion, because it's buy on the dip, then it goes higher. It's buy on the dip, then it goes higher. If you connect all the bottoms, you can see like, okay, oh, no, it just broke through that line. And maybe that's a bit of a problem. Maybe that's the one that says technically, you know, we're no longer holding support. Now we're breaking through it, and more people are finding reasons to get out. Now, I think that's called a trend line. And trend lines can be broken or pierced, either on the upside or the upside. I think trend lines can be very, very fake, so you need to be careful. Um, you know, one person can pull up a chart that says, uh-oh, here's a break, 
one person can pull out, you know, a you know a ten day trading, a fifty day trading, hundred day trading average, and say, you know, this isn't a break yet because they're looking at it slightly different from a different angle. So there's a lot of noise in the short term, and be careful on people who are quote unquote the chartists because they're the ones who tend to say, now's the time to go long, now's the time to go short. And they're just looking at trends. They're not looking at CEOs. They're not looking at products. They're not looking at the sector. They're not looking at valuations. They'll say, I'm just looking at the science of it, my friend. And there's a little BS that you have to call on that on occasion and a little bit of time where you have to go, okay, I get it. Now, changing topics for the third time in this segment, trying to give you some things to think about, things to invest in, ideas to ruminate. Um, there's a lot of skepticism out there on Starbucks. When they rolled out their digital ordering system where you can get online and, and hit a button and it would help your loyalty points. Who doesn't love a loyalty point? Um, this was back in September 2015. People were like, Starbucks isn't a tech company. And years later, they're like, Starbucks is doing pretty well with technology. So eBay had rolled out a location-based system that recognized customers as they walk in the door. Consumers were not particularly impressed. eBay eventually spun off its unit, PayPal. Apple Pay was launched in 2014 as a faster, more secure method of payment. Merchants weren't terribly enthused. Never, a lot of the merchants never even activated the feature. So you get eBay features, you get Apple Pay features, you get Starbucks features. But Starbucks mobile order and pay feature, it was a hit. And it actually became a problem where too many people were doing it. And the idea was that your coffee would be ready for you and you pick it up and walk out. And now you're going in and it's like a mosh pit of people waiting to pick up their order. Good problem to have, in my opinion. Wall Street typically says a lot of things like, well, that's a good problem to have. Or Wall Street will say something along the lines, it is a commodity. Coffee's coffee. How many people could really tell the difference between coffee? You're like, well, I, I understand that too. So you kind of get yourself caught up playing a little tennis back and forth. So Starbucks mobile order pay feature is something that has a universal appeal. I don't want to wait in lines. Pre-orders actually created a bottleneck, though, as pickups collide with in-store orders. The company is now rethinking store layouts and hiring pre-order specialists to handle the demand. So you go into pre-interview. I'm a pre-order specialist. I have ESPN. No, I mean I have ESP, and I can help. So 9% of Starbucks U.S. orders were placed in advance in the recent quarter. That's not bad. So you don't have a server cashier saying, Hello, Mr. Black, what would you like today? Would you like the same caramel macchiata? Would you like some coffee? No. i like a large trip, please. You'd like a grande. I'm like, no, I said large. Grande. Large. Grande. Okay, you win. So if you order online, you don't have to have that interaction. Numbers are remarkable when you think of 9% of Starbucks orders are placed in advance with the transaction already swiping, with the money already exchanging hands. If you look at Apple Pay, which is available, barely anyone uses it. Given the opportunity to check out with Apple Pay, only 5.5% of iPhone users have ever actually chosen the option ever. Go to your phone, order Starbucks, go to your phone, use iPay. No one does iPay. Well, I do iPay. I love iPay. But a lot of people do Starbucks. And Starbucks has changed consumer payment behavior in a way that should inspire everyone in Silicon Valley. Apple should go, whoa. In the latest quarter, 30% of U.S. transactions were paid using the company's smartphone uh, 
app. So some people stand in line and use their loyalty rewards and pay. Some people pre-order and pay. Restaurant app loads, app downloads now. You know, when you take a look at it, who's doing the best? Might surprise you, Taco Bell has half a million people who've downloaded their app so that they can, you know, pay online. You'll get a Taco Bell. About half a million. Subway, a little more than halfway. Papa John's, almost one, 900,000 people. Then you get Spanero Bread, Pizza Hut at 1.1 million, Domino's at 1.9 million, Starbucks at 3 million, and the winner is McDonald's at 3.8 million. But investors want more. As long as Starbucks, you know, is in the news, you know, if you get a big pullback in Starbucks, people go, what's going on? Starbucks has become lukewarm at best as a stock. Coffee's giant shares have underperformed at times, and now it's it's got its cheapest valuation in five years. Take a look at valuation, say it's traded between, you know, um, 22 and 40 in the last five years. It's currently at 24. You're like, that might be a good time to buy. It's value. Now, it could be a value trap, so be careful. So the big culprit on Starbucks is the same-store sales slowdown, which is a measure of success of a retailer's current customer base or existing store base of customers. Starbucks recently showed some caution. Investors who are usually quick to blame companies for short-sighted thinking, they're doing something opposite here. They're thinking maybe it has some upside because their problems in same-store sales is tied towards the mosh pit of people who are prepaying. So the smartphone revolution years and years ago started changing the way we're going to do bricks and mortar. And they used to be a good old-fashioned bricks and mortar without your credit card to pay. Technology still holds a lot of promise boosting sales in the long term. It's the kind of growth and financial performance that you're seeing out of customers with whom you've got digital relationship blows the socks off anything Wall Street would possibly want to see. So it's a pretty good problem to have. Um, you look at the number of Starbucks, Starbucks stores right now, there's 26,736. By the year 2021, there's expected to be 37,000. That's an improvement of 40%. And you already can find a Starbucks everywhere. Their second biggest market's China, then Japan, then the UK, Canada, Germany, France, India, and others. But the US is about 74% of their stores. Sales at existing stores have slowed in the last 18 months, created a problem. Now, when you look at Starbucks and you call them a retailer, then you look at Dick's Sporting Good, and you look at Coach, and you look at others, you're like, this is not good. But is Amazon getting into coffee? Well, maybe, I don't know, I don't think so, maybe. Um, Starbucks have gotten used to, investors got used to better than expected results, and when there's a, a pullback, or they trim their long-term guidance, sometimes it creates that valuation that may be your opportunity. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com.
RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Black. Black. Did we just play the whole song? Pretty close. Pretty close. I'll send them a royalty check for like 18 cents. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Sorry, I was getting a cup of coffee. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I always have seminars coming up. In fact, I have one coming up in Los Gatos in November. It's the last one of the year. You can get in for free by using the code RADIO25, RADIO25, and signing up at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Um, I understand that this show is kind of infotainment. I do get that. Um, I do my very, very best to try to give you a good second opinion on all things financial. I try to bring you experts. I caught a little flack not that long ago when I was asked to go to like some sort of event with a lot of other financial people. I'm like, I don't really want to be associated with them. And, um, they're like, well, that's kind of snotty of you. I'm like, no, I just think that they sell bad product and they hurt people. And one thing I promise that I will always do is I will never put on air ever again, and I was forced to do it once, I'll never put on air anyone that's going to hurt you or anyone that's going to sell you stuff that makes them unbelievably rich or anyone that's uneducated that acts educated and is trying to sell your product. So pretty much so, anyone with an Australian accent will never be on the show. Anyone with an English accent. Do you know why we we watch those shows like the doctor shows where Hugh Laurie will come into a room and go... I see that you're a criminal because I could see that you blunk twice. And, uh, oh, I see that you got cancer. See that little hair on your left arm? And you're like, what? No. And it, just because he has an accent makes it credible. I'd be very cautious of that. I promise never to do that to people. So Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He talks mortgages. I talk investments. We talk uh, those kind of concepts. Hey, mate. I might. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, governor. So, um... I think I must have had something bad happen where a woman that I loved fell in love with a British guy or something because I really got things against British actors. They shouldn't be taking American jobs. You with me? I am. I, I'm surprised you actually have associated the, the mortgage side of it to the Australians. About uh, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago, we went to one of those big uh, California Association of Mortgage Broker meetings. They call it Canby. And it was in Sacramento, and one of the booths had uh, this Australian fellow, and he was selling this mortgage accelerator. Basically, what he does is you take your life savings and you pay off your mortgage for 29 days of the month. And on the 30th month, I'm sorry, it's the other way around. But anyways... You're basically taking your own money to pay the mortgage, but it costs forty to fifty thousand dollars in commissions to do it. Oh my my my! Um, for something that you could do on your own, right? That's the that's the kicker and on mortgage accelerators is they sell these programs that you could do on your own, and they sell them as like computer software or we'll set it up for you. And if you ever want to send in an extra payment, you could send in an extra payment. If you ever want to do twice bi monthly mortgages, you could do it yourself. You don't have to pay someone to do it, and then you also don't have the obligation. This one was really interesting because you actually would not have a mortgage. You would only have a mortgage for one day of the month, so you're only paying interest for one day of the month, and then you would 
pay it back with all of your own money, okay, your two, three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars, and then you'd hold, they, you'd use your money for 29 days of the month, and then you'd get another loan at the end of every month, and you do that for 30 years or whatever time frame that they did it. The whole goal was there. You're paying only one day of interest, but you racked up commission after commission after commission every single time you did a loan. But for them, they charged it all up front on the first loan. So your first loan that you did was $40,000, $50,000, $60,000 in commissions. It was crazy, but you have to be really careful. Um, those those are highly regulated. Um, so if there's somebody that as, promoting it, be I very careful. I look at careful. that as someone who's selling magic. Yeah. How to get out of debt faster. Sounds like magic to me. Oh, their booth was pretty elaborate. Oh, I know. Um, there, there was some... You just good, need there, there suckers was, born every minute, yeah. and the mortgage accelerator people, again, if I could put them in Rob Black's Belindomatic, um, or the Fishomatic. <laughs> the Sipometer. Do you remember the Fishomatic? I do. Fishomatic was a 1970 like Saturday Night Live skit. It was just a blender. This is a blender, yeah. You put a fish in it, it would blend fish into liquid Pretty fish. sure that wasn't uh, a... Saturday Night Live. I, I thought it was a Johnny Carson. Yeah. No, no, it's Dan um, Aykroyd. So, um, and then when you eat, drink it, it's just disgusting. But anyway, um, he drank I, it too. I think I, I would throw in uh, mortgage accelerated people because they're they're preying <laughs> on people. They're selling them the products they don't need. So, and there's a lot of it out there. But let's change something a little bit more positive. I'm going to be updating Facebook with the Facebook Live video shortly after the show. I do that every Friday. You do a show here on KDOW AM 1220 Thursdays at 6 that people can listen to dedicated mm-hmm. to mortgages, refinances, and mortgage stories. Real estate and everything, uh, yeah. You know, again, sometimes the best time to buy is when other people don't want to be there, whether the house is haunted or there's an earthquake or there's a fire, um, whether hurricane. there's job losses. And sometimes that's the opposite. People want to buy because there are no fires. There's a beach. People want to buy because there are jobs. Uh, people want to buy because there are no hurricanes, like things like that. It's kind of interesting what pushes real estate's buttons in people's minds. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. Some shows are better than others. You know that. I know that. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. We'll talk soon. You can find Tony at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Uh, I'm Rob Black. Any last thoughts from you? You have a seminar coming up. I thought you... Aye, people can always go to yeah. robblackshow.com and sign up using code radio twenty. Good day, mate. Good day. Watch out for those Australian crockies. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Hi, this is Rob Black from Rob Black and Your Money. New Year, new seminar. Retirement income strategies and estate planning with CFP Chad Burton and Rob Black. Thursday, January 11th, 6.30 to 8.30 at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Retirement planning is more complicated than ever, but focusing on a few essential issues can help increase your income in retirement and your chances of enjoying a secure future. CFP Chad Burton will discuss transitioning your portfolio from the accumulation phase to income, passive versus active portfolio management, choosing the right accounts to draw from. New tax laws and new tax law strategies will be discussed. Good and bad retirement products, how to handle Social Security, and protecting your estate from long-term care costs. In addition, I will discuss the market outlook for 2018, and Attorney Michelle Lerman will explain how to update your estate plan to reflect the latest laws. Please join us for our Retirement Income Strategies and Estate Planning Seminar, Thursday, January 11, 6.30 to 8.30 at the Palo Alto Elks Lodge. Sign up at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Registration is $25, but free for radio users if you use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.